Hello, and welcome to the U.S. Center for Safe Sports podcast series. At the center, we are dedicated to making athlete well-being and safety the centerpiece of sport culture. Our podcasts connect individuals to important conversations on getting the best and safest experience out of sports. Get ready to learn valuable information, shareable tips, and helpful resources to keep you engaged in the game. Today, we will be discussing the importance of creating inclusive environments on and off the field for athletes with disabilities. Our guests today are Kat Bocamp, Membership and Safe Sport Coordinator at the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, and Meg Stone, Executive Director of Impact Boston. Happy listening and welcome, Kat and Meg. Thanks so much, Vanessa. Thank you. Glad to be here. So thank you both for joining us today. We are so eager for you to share your input and expertise on this topic. Before we dive in, can you both please tell our listeners a little about yourself and the work you do? And Kat, let's start with you. Perfect. So like Vanessa mentioned, my name is Kat Bocamp. I am the Membership and Safe Sport Coordinator, the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes. So essentially what that means is I work with our athletes who are blind and visually impaired across all spectrums of our organization. So from grassroots to our highest Paralympic team, I get to deal with our members and the safety of our members involved. Myself was a 2012 Paralympian in the sport of wheelchair fencing. So adaptive sports and the Paralympic movement are near and dear to both my heart and my career. Thank you. And Meg, how about you? Sure. Um, I'm the executive director of Impact Boston, which is part of the Disability Service and Advocacy Agency Triangle in the Boston area. Um, Impact is a program that teaches people the skills to protect and advocate for themselves in the moment of attempted assault or abuse. And we also work with organizations and communities to proactively prevent abuse through policies and culture change. Um, Impact created the Adaptive Sports Abuse Prevention, or ASAP, curriculum, which teaches coaches and adaptive sports staff how to recognize and prevent abusive situations. Great. Thank you both. Meg, throughout this process, what are some of the key takeaways that you think are important messages to share with our listeners? Right. Thanks. So as we were researching and developing the adaptive sports abuse prevention curriculum, what became abundantly clear to us is that for every situation in which somebody abuses an athlete within an organization, there are dozens of people who are not perpetrating abuse, but who are making choices that don't promote a safe environment. So really the goal of our curriculum is to help coaches and leaders in sports organizations really analyze the situations that um, can become unsafe. So situations in which a powerful, revered leader is crossing lines or violating people's boundaries and others are not challenging that person because they are so popular or so admired. There are situations where people don't have the skills to speak up and constructively challenge inappropriate touch or other unsafe situations. Part of what we really wanted to do within the curriculum is both give coaches the opportunity to empathize with people 
from news stories who did not intervene and really acknowledge how hard it is, how hard it is to believe that somebody you trust or somebody you respect is capable of abuse. Sometimes we don't see it because we don't want to, because the person we expect to be abusive is somebody we already hate or dislike or think is creepy or fit some other stereotype. But the reality within most organizations is it's somebody who is liked and respected. So what we really want to get across is that it is possible for people to speak up and challenge abusive behaviors and challenge abusive cultures. But it is more possible if people work together and if they are supported by leaders. So this is both about individual skills and individual awareness, but also bringing teams together and organizational leaders together to create policies that actively prevent abuse. Kat, how can coaches, volunteers, parents, administrators, and athletes without disabilities create inclusive sport environments for athletes with disabilities? Absolutely. So first off, the simple answer is attitude. Uh, but what I mean by that is eight out of 10 times when athletes with disabilities don't feel included are attitude based. They're not being treated like the athlete that they are. And a lot of this stems from the fact that the general public just isn't accustomed to or isn't educated as much as they could be on working with athletes with disabilities. So what that means is using this term called person first language. So this is a huge cultural shift within the disability community of instead of using the term that many people grew up hearing such as wheelchair bound, you use a term person who uses a wheelchair or instead of saying that autistic kid, you say a child who is on the autism spectrum. You're acknowledging that they are a person, an athlete, a human being before their disability. And that's the key takeaway here is recognizing that when you meet one person with a disability, you've done just that. You've met one person with a disability. No two disabilities will be the same. And the key with that is communicating with that athlete what they need, what's best for them, what would help them to feel involved, included, and feel like they are being challenged to the best of their ability. And so by using person-first language and by communicating directly with the athlete, you're opening that line of communication and you're opening that trust to be able to facilitate the programming for that athlete. So what that means is, you know, if one athlete needs X accommodation, but another athlete may need Y accommodation, you're not gonna know that until you talk to them. So really by making these generalized assumptions, we're almost, hurting our athletes with disabilities. Whereas if you just had the conversation with them and kind of got over that awkward introduction, you would be able to create a much more inclusive, accepting and exceptional program for athletes with disabilities. 
Thank you. So then somewhat similarly, Kat, what is something that people often misunderstand when working with athletes with disabilities? Yeah, I think that key is, you know, when you meet one athlete with a disability, you've met one athlete with a disability. And I guess a little anecdote here is for me personally, I competed at the Paralympic Games and I was just 16 years old. Uh, so I was quite a youngin. But what I noticed growing up after having competed in the Paralympics is that people assume or people in the general public tend to assume that athletes with physical disabilities or athletes with disabilities in general, the accomplishments or the work ethic that they have and have made is somehow less than athletes without physical disabilities. And when you look at the parallel roads of the Paralympics and the Olympics, that's literally what the word Paralympics means, is parallel to the Olympics. Just because I was born with a physical disability doesn't mean that I had to work any less, that I had to compete any less, that I had a different work ethic than Olympians in the same sport. It's just a different ability as opposed to a disability. And Meg, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think that people often misunderstand when working with athletes with disabilities? So I'm not an athlete. I'm an abuse prevention practitioner. So that's the um, that's the perspective that that I bring to it. Um, I think the biggest challenge that we faced initially is that abuse and violence against athletes with disabilities is invisible um, when it comes to the mainstream media though every major study shows that people with disabilities are much more likely than those without disabilities to experience abuse. Um, we actually, when we very first did our very first pilots of the curriculum, uh, we were teaching um, a piece to a group of adaptive sports coaches and the piece was based on news stories. And the feedback we got from them was, why are none of the news stories about athletes with disabilities? Why are they all about athletes without disabilities? And the reality is because, you know, with the most extensive searches we could we could make the internet do, we could not find any news articles about athlete survivors. Um, it takes an incredible amount of courage for any athlete to come forward as a survivor. But the barriers facing Paralympic athletes and athletes with disabilities are unknown. So the additional trauma and the additional barriers that face athletes with disabilities are so great that there are no public survivors with disabilities. Um, so I think it is very important um, for us to not take that as a sign that there is no problem, but instead look at many of the barriers and that really goes to what cat um what cat was talking about um many of the athletes with disabilities that were involved in the development of the curriculum said to us that the struggles that they faced in order to be accepted as being athletes were so great that they could imagine that people would not want to do anything to jeopardize their position as an athlete. They would not want to 
say anything that could reflect badly on adaptive sports because for some, you know, the adaptive sports program they were part of was a lot more vulnerable than non-adaptive sports programs. Um, one of our curriculum co-developers was on a college men's wheelchair basketball team. And he talked a lot about the pressure that he and his fellow athletes faced to be sort of more sexist and more masculine than the athletes without disabilities to sort of prove that they were just as good or just as manly and athletic, I guess. I don't, I don't know the inner workings of people's minds. Um, but I think there is, you know, when it comes to any marginalized group, um, preventing abuse is even more important because in most cases, the rates of abuse are higher, but also there are barriers to speaking out that are very poorly understood. Thank you. So for both of you, as we close, what is one of the most important messages regarding athletes with disabilities that you would like people to know? I think one of the most important messages is that athletes with disabilities need to be treated as athletes. Um, we were training a group of coaches who worked in an adaptive sports program. And one of the training participants was talking about local newspaper coverage of sports in the town where they were working. And his struggle was that every time the athletes he coached made the newspaper, they were a feel-good human interest story. And what he wanted more than anything was for them to actually just be on the sports page and to be covered for the game they played, whether they lost or won, what the stats were, and be treated by the newspaper as athletes rather than as inspirations. Yeah, to kind of go off what Meg said of being athletes before inspirational, I think especially in the high level of high performance Paralympic sport, whether that be NGB, HPMO, whatever other acronym you fall under, if you are in high performance sport, the first thing to including athletes with disabilities is that open line of communication. Assumptions aren't gonna help anyone, even if they are well-intended. If you want to learn more about your athletes with disabilities, talk to your athletes with disabilities. You know, you can't see what one group or one NGB is doing and think that that will be able to be mirrored exactly in your organization. You have to have these tough conversations to be able to do what needs to be done. You know, you can't understand what you don't understand. So to understand, you want to be able to have these focus groups or these general surveys. However you communicate with your athletes or your membership, use that to talk about the hard things because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And especially as leaders in your sport and in your field, you have a duty to include athletes with disabilities. You know, you have that duty to include and empower and embrace and educate. The three E's of disability awareness, educate, embrace, and empower. It's your duty to educate your general public your coaches, your volunteers, as well as your athletes with disabilities. 
You want to empower these athletes to feel like they are athletes. That's what they deserve. And that's what you can do for them. And the last one is embrace. Again, we want to show all athletes of all abilities, of all ages, races, genders, all walks of life, that they have a place in sport. And that is where you as an NGB step in, have these hard conversations and open the floor to athletes with disabilities. Thank you so much for your time and valuable insight. A note for our listeners, our online course, Creating Inclusive Environments for Athletes with Disabilities can be found on our website. And also for our listeners, if you know of or suspect abuse or misconduct, report it to uscenterforsafesport.org. You can report anywhere, anytime on our 24-7 portal. If you have confidential or anonymous questions and want support for yourself or someone else, contact the Safe Sport Helpline through the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network at safesporthelpline.org. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.